live in a world now that's so kind. We we find the kind way around everything. Like if you don't look good, I have to find a kind way of saying I don't like your shirt. That's not the approach. If that's the approach you're looking for, that book is not for you. Can't hurt me is not for you. The approach you have to take, at least I took. You take whatever approach you want. The conversation had to be a real honest conversation in the accountability mirror. Guess what? I was fat. Don't find a kind word to say that, you know what? I've gained some weight. No, you're fat. When I couldn't read, not like, hey, you know, even learn disability. No, I cannot read. Of a fourth grade reading level, I'm struggling. And sometimes I call myself stupid. Not in a way to put myself down. So don't take it like, my God, those are so hurtful. Yeah, they're hurtful. This honest. The conversation has to become an honest conversation of where you're at mentally. Where am I at mentally? I look like shit. I feel like shit. I'm not this. I'm, I'm falling behind in school. I'm lazy. My house is a mess. You have to look at what it is and call it what it is. Don't find words to make yourself feel better because that's what. So we hang around people that make us feel better, that tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. And so we stay away from those people and we stay away from those people. Like our internal dialogue becomes that kind. It's okay. It's not okay. So that's where it starts. It starts with that accountability of it's not okay anymore. This can no longer be okay. And calling yourself out for exactly what you are and exactly how you need to fix it. That's where it starts. If you look at America right now, and I won't get off on this, nothing is getting solved because we have, there's so much racism. There's so many, there's so many things. And that's just one of them. We can't talk about anything. We are skirting all these conversations because if I say this, I'm going to offend a black person or a white person or a Jewish person or, or a gay or lesbian person. We skirt around the daggone problem. So we can't fix shit. Everything is like, well, if I say this on TV, I'm going to lose my damn job. We have to say it. We have to break the barriers within our minds, within the world. And it starts with yourself. It starts with yourself. You got to break the barriers down within yourself and, and it's go there. You got to go to yourself. Right. So one big thing is the accountability mirror. You have that. to start with yourself. So what happened in, in my life? was we start to get, I call it like the rucksack. A rucksack is a pack that you carry in the military and you put all your stuff in it. Your radios, your food, your water, all that stuff you get to carry in the military. That's your rucksack. It's a backpack pretty much. As you're growing up, we all have a backpack. Most of ours hopefully is empty, you know, and what we put in it is all the crap we go through in life. That's what is in the backpack for the civilians and we carry it around with us. So what you have to start doing is realizing that no matter where you're at in life, I got called nigger a lot. My dad abused me, you know, learning disability, stutters, immaturity, insecurities, self-doubt, so much crap on top of me. So much stuff. I lied a lot to create friends. So much stuff was in my backpack. No one's coming back to help me. So it starts with that person in that mirror. You have to realize you are on your own now. And whatever else you believe in, I don't care what you believe in, but on earth, it's a very lonely journey. And it starts with the accountability mirror of looking at saying, hey, my daddy beat the hell out of me. He's not coming back. All these things are coming back. 
I have to face myself. And you have to own all those things that people may have done to you. Now it's yours. You got to own it. And it's yours now to fix the problems that people did to you. It makes no sense. It's not fair. I get it. But if you live in that what was me mentality of guess what? My dad did this to me. My mom did this to me. People who bully did this to me. You're going to always live right there. You have to figure out ways to move forward because you're not coming back. And it starts with the mirror. And I call it the accountability mirror in the book. You have to constantly rewrite your book every day of your life. Mm. You know, and that, these aren't just words I say. This is how I have to live. Like, these are conversations I have with myself. And I say it everywhere I go. The most important conversation when you have with yourself. You live with it every single day. But most of our conversations are not the right ones. They're not the ones that are going to push us to the place we need to go. They're the ones that are going to keep us sitting in that toxic environment that you've helped create and everybody else helped create, and you just live in it. You live in that muck, and that conversation just plays in your head, and that becomes you. So my first conversation when I was absolutely nobody, and that's one thing you have to say. So now my conversation is this. I never set out to write a book. When I was in the dungeon and no one was coming back to help me, I just wanted that reflection in that accountability mirror that I hated so badly to be something that gave me pride, to be something that made me feel. It wasn't about, it's not about money. It's not about success. It's not about people. Oh my God, that's David Goggins. Sign my book. No. When I started this journey out years ago, it's about, I just want to learn to read. So now I'm at a place wow. now where I see the possibilities of the human, of human potential. What are we capable of is the conversation now. The conversation now is how can I now talk to people in a way they can understand the message that I have for so many people, for so many people. So that's the, that's the new conversation now is that I, you are constantly evolving. You never stay, either you're getting better or you're getting worse, you're not staying the same. So for me, I have to constantly be getting better. I have to constantly be evolving my message. So I'm constantly thinking, in the quietness of my mind. That's, that's a key point too. The world is so fast-paced. The world is so noisy. So my conversation now a lot of times is, my God, slow down. Mm-hmm. The world can take you here, here, be here, be there, be everywhere. And I lose myself sometimes. So I catch myself in the airport. I catch myself in the plane where I'm writing stuff down. Okay, remember this, remember that. And I'm going, hey, hang on a second, God. What, what got you here? This isn't what got you here. Slow the fuck down. Go back to the quiet place of that dirty mirror in that $7 a month place you used to live in. That's where you grew. You, so, I, so that's what I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself of go back to your roots. Now I'm not saying go back to hell, but I'm saying don't forget where you come from as you start to explode out of the gate when you become someone. My conversation is do not forget your roots. Do not forget your roots. Don't let this become so big that you lose yourself amongst the noise. Go back to the quietness of what made you successful. That's the conversation now. It's a constant reminder. So think about it. When I say suffering, people cringe. People, that's the, that's the one word whenever I post about it, people cringe. It's not about suffering and how people may look at suffering 
Like you have to just go to a place that just every day of your life is suffering. You have to tap into suffering every day of your life because we have so much scarring that we have to clean up. You have to look at suffering as almost like I look at failure. To succeed, you must fail. In failure and in suffering, all the answers are in there. All the answers to all the test questions, the test is your life. All the answers are in there. You don't have to live in suffering and pain and failure all the time. You have to learn, I need to visit it. Like people hate working out. You're only going to visit working out maybe an hour a day. 23 other hours of the day, you're not in it. But how you become in shape is you must visit suffering, visit working out one hour a day. Visit suffering one hour a day. Visit your past failures one hour a day. The relationship with it is the answers are in there. They, they are in there within the suffering. Go in there and I call it the live autopsy. The live autopsy. How you find out someone died, they crack you open after you're dead. How you can live is do it while you're alive. Mm. Go back in your brain, crack it open while you're alive. Don't wait until you're fucking dead to figure out why you died. Do it while you are living. Go in there, go into the suffering. Go into the pain of your life and say, why did this suck for me so bad? Why am I afraid of all this stuff? Why have I shut down the whole world? I guarantee I'll tell you why you shut down the whole world. It's in these nooks of the suffering within your brain, in the scarring, are all the answers to why you are on the couch feeling sorry for yourself. They lie within the scars. Visit them for at least an hour a day. Study them. And then you'll find out more about yourself. You will then grow. So don't look at it as every day I suffer. Go into it an hour a day. Learn from yourself. Learn from life. Learn from your failures. Learn from your insecurities. Learn from your self-doubt. Don't just say, I'm afraid to jump off an airplane. What makes you afraid of it? Study it. That's why I studied my mind. Why I became so powerful in the mind is because I realized I was weak. So instead of running away from the mind, I dove into it and said, what is making me weak? Oh, this makes sense. I came from hell. I came from a place that beat me down to nothing, which is why I'm afraid. All this makes sense. So systematically, one by one, I went back and met every single person in my mind, every situation. I went one-on-one with them again in my mind. I said, okay, let's now revisit this. And that's how you do it. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Your mind chooses the path of least resistance. Your mind has the ultimate tactical advantage over you. It knows what scars you. It, it, it knows your fears. It knows your insecurities. And it protects you, which is why I talk about the 40% rule in my book. The 40% rule is all about the brain has the tactical advantage over you. It knows and it, it keeps you away from all that. That's why it says don't jump out of an airplane. Don't go in the ocean where there's sharks. It's a protective mechanism. Don't go back to the place where your dad beat the shit out of you in your mind. Don't go back. The brain protects you, but it protects you so much it doesn't allow growth. So the brain is an amazing thing, but the brain controls you. You must control it. You must take power over your own mind or your mind will guide you into all the soft spites, soft places that your brain wants to live in. 
Mm. Your brain has enough information. It doesn't want to go through that process of, of mind hardening. It doesn't want to do that. I got to remember what time I got to be here, what time I got to be there. This is where I want to stay. I'm peaceful. It wants to stay very peaceful and away from scarring. So that's, that's, that's what it is. You find yourself when, you are the, at, when you're not comfortable. When you're not comfortable on a daily basis. And that's how I started to grow. Like I said about the mind, it wants to put you in that nice 72 degree temperature with, with everything right there. It wants to be in that nice with a little massage therapist. That's where your mind wants to be. It doesn't want to be, and we're going to talk about Hell Week. So it doesn't want to be in Hell Week. In Hell Week, I, I was in three of them. I finished two of them in one year. Only person to ever do that in still history. There's been people who, who, you know, who, who have gone through a couple of Hell Weeks, but in like five years, six years, seven years, eight years. I did, I was in three in one year. They say it takes off three to five years of your life. So Hell Week is 130 hours of continuous training. You might get two hours of sleep. And what it does is it's designed to break a man, to break a man down to the parts where, like I talk about the surface, how it's fixing the surface. If you only fix the surface, you will never get through Hell Week. Because what it does, it starts to bring out these demons. Because even though there's a lot of yelling and stuff like that, there's times where it's very peaceful in a very eerie way. So the first hour of the 130 is breakout. They're shooting guns, it's loud, it's noisy, your mind is in chaos. When your mind's in chaos, you can't think. So you're having fun. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, we're in Hell Week, we're Navy SEALs, or trying to be Navy SEALs, we're badasses. Then what they do, and I don't even think that they understand what they're doing, but I studied the mind. It's perfect. It's psychological warfare. They go from an hour, the first hour, when you're going crazy, the second hour of the 130, they put you in the cold water. It's called surf torture. Now they don't call it surf torture because it's a kinder, gentler word. It's called surf acclimation or something. Whatever. Everybody's getting soft. So they call it surf torture for a good reason. They put you out there. No one's quit yet. It's only been an hour. Maybe a couple of guys have. And you're in the Pacific Ocean, which is never warm. You're all linked arms. You're sitting there and the waves are crashing over you. I went through winter hell weeks, which is cold. The Pacific Ocean is like 50 degrees. It was 49 this particular night in my third hell week. And what it does is it makes your mind flip out. We've been doing this now for three weeks, being in this water. But for some reason now, the water is colder than it's ever been. It's not. Our minds are fragile. We can process a day. It's hard to process 130 hours. Mm. There's no end. There's no end. So the mind starts to ramp up. So you're sitting there, it's quiet. No one's yelling at you. You hear the ocean. And you're freezing. And your mind goes spastic. Starts to think, I have another 129 hours. You're not going home. You're getting yelled at. You could be frozen. So you panic. You freak out. And you want to quit. What I realized about the mind is those people who can be in that time and embrace that time and be in that moment and not allow the mind to go to 129 hours on hour one. It's the control that we don't have in our minds. It's the control that you had to have for three months. 
when you're miserable, when you're suffering, when you're laying on the floor, when you're doing all the disciplines it takes to be a monk, you cannot think about the whole process. It will make you, it, it, will, it will make you so insanely crazy. It's impossible. It's inhumane what I'm about to do to myself. You have to be able to break all these big, humongous, painful things in life down to the smallest molecule because that's all the brain can handle. The brain can't handle hours and hours and hours of suffering, but it can handle right now. I'm in the Pacific Ocean and it's very cold and this is what I'm doing. Don't think about the rest of it. So that's what I learned from Hell Week. That's what I learned from being in three Hell Weeks. That's what I learned from all the military. I went to ranger school. I went to all these different schools to learn all of that, to learn how the mind processes. So I, I talk about theorists. I talk about practitioners. A theorist is a person who reads a book, doesn't do it, reads a book, learns about something, and then talks about it. A practitioner is myself. A practitioner is a person like me. I wanted to be an expert in the mind, a mental toughness guy, beyond mental toughness. The only way to do that, in my eyes, is to put yourself in hell. Put it in hell repeatedly. Repeatedly put yourself in hell and study how you process it. And that's how I was able to come up with all these different ways, all these different tools to, to slow the mind down in hell. Because mm-hmm. the mind just speeds up. The mind wants to get out of the painful situation, the suffering. It can't, it can't process it. So that's what I realized by going through all these different processes of being in hell weeks. I'm not about money. Not about money at all. It comes. You have to first be authentic. What is your fucking brand? There's a bunch of people who are doing business right now who don't know what the fucking brand is. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to piggyback off someone else. Let me take this and steal this. Everything I say and everything I do is authentic to me. And I'm not out here trying to make money off of you. I'm out here trying to help you. When you truly want to help somebody out, that's when you have a business. Your business is when you truly are looking to help have a good product. The product right now is myself. Like basically, are you living what you talk? Are you being who you are? So therefore, people say, hey, David Goggins, I may not like him, but every fucking day I know this guy. Every day I wake up, I know he's out there doing something. I know he's getting out there. I know when, it, when he talks, he's speaking truth, whether it be whatever. So what I've done with my business is I made it very true to who I am as a person. I'm not someone else. I'm not trying to fake something. And I'm not looking for your fucking money. I'm here to help you. And when people see that you're here to help you, that's when you can form a business. But people can see right through bullshit. They can see right through bullshit. So once they see through bullshit, your business is done. You're not authentic anymore. You're just a piece of shit. So people see true. So sometimes in your business, you may not make a dime for a while. You have to gain trust of people. You have to have a good product. It has to be about the people, for the people, and not about you. There can't be any underlining things. With very few people can do that nowadays. People, a lot of people nowadays are slugs. They're cockroaches. They're bottom feeders. They just are. They want that quick dollar. It's about me. It's about me, about me, about me. If that's your fucking mindset, your business is done. Some people make it, but they don't last real long. They don't last long. So for me, I come from hell. I had to persevere through a lot. I got judged growing up. 
So all I want to truly do for people is I'm for the fucking underdog. I'm truly, I want to see you fucking crush every motherfucker on the planet Earth. Anybody that said you can't, you can't, you can't, no. With you, you might be your biggest bully. You might be telling yourself you can't. That's my business. Whether it makes money or not, give a fuck. That's what it's all about, man. I see you at the end of the day say, look, man, hey, Goggins. When I'm walking through the airport, hey, man, you fucking saved my life. Now I tell everybody to go fuck themselves, man, because I changed my whole life around. That's the business. If you can do that, you're rich as shit.